Mad Unreal, episode number 15. 15. This is Arthur, that is Isaac, and we are coming to you live from our far away, separate, isolated, Yoda on Dagobah style, socially distant places. I just saw, um, I was watching Hulu this morning, saw the uh, Saturday, Saturday Night Live at home edition. Did you see that? I, I did not. How did it go? Um, you know, I mean, you know what? To give them credit for getting that, you know, done and, you know, obviously all the obstacles I'm sure they faced. It was pretty good. You know, I got to give them credit. It was I didn't watch all of it. I watched maybe the first yeah. 45 minutes, but um, I didn't see the end. But it was uh, it was pretty good. Was it live though? I don't think so. No, it was pre-recorded because yeah. they had to mix. Like they took some segments and like you know mixed them and did different things. So no, it wasn't live. Yeah, and, you know I, I'm not I'm not even tripping on that because I mean I can't even imagine you know how difficult that would be. I know because there's, there's no way that you can control latency. <laughs> right, latency. It's hard just, enough with two people, but if you have an ensemble of half a dozen or a dozen, however a dozen, many, yeah, yeah, all dealing with different you know Wi-Fi connections and all that yep. type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, nah. And with comedy, timing is literally everything. Right. So it was it was it was good. I give him credit. It was good. Okay. Um on that note, what else have you have you have you, you know, I think I, a couple shows ago I asked you if you watched anything new, you know, during this lock lockdown. Have you 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 checked out anything new? Um yeah, it's not movies or series. You know what? Uh it's not unreal, but mm-hmm. I watched Succession. I've, I've okay. Yeah. Gone through the first, the the first and only two seasons of Succession. So that I'm shit is up. a little unreal. <laughs> you know what? It kind of is, but I mean, I think it. I think it's actually closer to. It's probably closer to real. Yeah. In that we don't know what that life is like. Yeah. yeah. But it it does um it does check some boxes as to how privilege works mm-hmm. and well, why people it, react the way they do. Two seasons or three? Is it two seasons? Two. It's two okay. seasons. And now the third will be delayed, obviously. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but gotten through gotten through two seasons of that. Um, actually started the morning show. Mm, damn, you must be bored. You got to finish um, Star Trek uh, uh, Next Generation. You got to finish that. What, what season are you on? Like two, three? I'm on season two. Okay, so you, you, it's really about to get good. Like the first two seasons were, mm-hmm. you know, they were decent and, and they were good and, and really good in some parts. And then... Kind of a little bit shaky in other parts, but I think starting with season three, mm-hmm. um, I think that's where really, if, I'm, if memory serves, that's where it really starts to get good. So yeah, don't don't slip on that. Stay on uh, generations. Mm. How about you though? Uh, you, I just you're started, usually more up on stuff in terms of having it completed than well, I am. Well, I, I just started a, a show on um, Hulu called Devs D E V S, and mm-hmm. actually, this is something I think you would be really into. So, Devs is short for developers. Yeah. Um, and it's really I'm only on the third episode. I think it's they've there's six episodes out right now. I'm only on episode three. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so far, I mean, it's really heavy sci-fi, but it's done by um, Alex Garland, same same cat who did uh, Ex Machina. Um, okay. Okay. And Annihilation, I didn't see Annihilation, um, but he, you know, it's. I think he's. I think he, he's written every every episode, and it's kind of. I'm not gonna say it's. It's, it's kind of derivative of, not just Apple, but you know, Google, um, Amazon, all of these big tech um, mm-hmm. companies, the big three or big four, Microsoft, and so 
it's I mean, so far it really is playing with some very interesting ideas and about mm-hmm. predetermination and not just technology, but about life and destiny and predetermination and choice mm-hmm. and um, the word multiverse was said in the first episode, which I got excited about because that's something I'm really interested in. So it really, I, th- I think it's something that I would be interested in hearing your take on simply because of your background in tech, but also because of how, how centered it is in this moment that we're going through, not the pandemic, but I'm talking about the moment of technology that we've been going through for the last three years and yeah, okay. the questions of what we should and should not be doing, so on and so forth. So, um, it's good. It's good. I, it's kind of it has an eerie feeling to it. I think all of mm-hmm. all of Garland stuff has that feeling to it. Um, is it uh, in a modern setting? I mean, is this yeah, it's in a modern. At first, or? I wasn't sure. I didn't know if it was future or now, but I, but I believe mm-hmm. it's now because they, you know, everything outside of this this big like tech campus, Apple like campus that um, mm-hmm. is the main setting. Um, when they're in the city and they're in San Francisco, you know, everything is modern and everything is iPhone, you know, ear, ear, ear uh, AirPods, you know, all those things. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's not future. Um, but it just has kind of like a, you know, some sci-fi future stuff has an eerie feeling to it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. almost an ominous feeling like through every scene, this kind of has that. And it's also has a little bit of a spy element to it. So, you know, I like that. So it has a little bit of spy thriller to it. So, um, yeah, it's good. I think I think it's still they're releasing them weekly, and I think there's still two more episodes to go. Okay, um, maybe one more by the time this comes out. By the time of this recording is, is is dropped, so I would check it out. And I think it's something that you in particular would be interested in. All right, all right. Well, uh, let's get to it. We got a few things on our mind, um, but we got to start the show. So this is Mad Unreal episode fifteen. Let's go. Um, among the things that I've been catching up on, I am all caught up with uh, Clone Wars, the animated series, the last season, season seven. Um, we're through episodes seven and eight, uh, Dangerous Debt and Together Again. And we close out the story arc with uh, Ahsoka's, uh, not, not, not really return, but we, we begin to see Ahsoka learn about what happens to her after she walks away from uh from um the uh the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. Meets the Martez sisters, Rafa and Trace. Um and uh we're in the midst of them uh having made a, a an illegal spice smuggling run for the Pikes, a notorious intergalactic gang. And we see them escape prison get caught, escape, get caught, escape, get caught, <laughs> you know, back, 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 back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of back and forth. Yeah. Should, let me ask you a question. Do you think this arc, cause this, this Ahsoka arc with the Martez sisters was four episodes. Do you think it should have been four episodes? No, I think they could have done it in three. Yeah. If they, too. if they, if they removed one of the caught, get caught mm-hmm. segments, mm-hmm. Um, because I, I, I think that, now, why they wanted to do four, you know, certainly don't know, but it did feel like the 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 chase scenes were um, uh, grandiose for the sole purpose of providing some action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I think that's the thing is because 
if you look at the previous two episodes, there wasn't a whole lot of action, especially Mm in uh, the second episode of the arc. Um, I think it was deal, no deal. There was just a lot of storytelling, but there wasn't there wasn't a lot of action. I was fine with that. But to your point, I think, yeah, this these last two eps have been especially dangerous. Debt was very heavy on action. And there was some there was some um, progress in the narrative as far as and there was some exposition as far as Ahsoka hearing, you know, from the Martez sisters, their past, you know, what um, why they were kind of looking why they look side eye basically at the Jedi. You know, you find out that the Jedi had um, basically been responsible for their parents' death. Right. Um, this would be a great way to insert uh, a spoiler alert after the fact. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we always forget that. We should just listen. I'm going to I'm gonna tag it on Twitter, though, and put that right at the top. Like, listen, if you haven't seen these shows, <laughs> since uh-huh. we are going to talk about them, there will be spoilers. So, yeah, big spoiler alert for episodes seven and eight of The Clone Wars if you have not seen them. Um, so yeah, we see, we, we learned that, um, the Jedi were responsible for the death of the Martez sisters parents. Yeah. Um, and it was the way I, you know, that piece of storytelling or that piece of, um, um, history for them, Mm -hmm. I thought was handled well, because it was basically not like the story that they told was compelling and Rafa told the story and she got, it was rare because, you know, the, the, as we've known her so far, she's been mm-hmm. kind of, you know, like we said last episode, she little, she's hood with it. You know what I'm saying? And she's yeah. just a little bit direct and, you know, this is what it is. And so-and-so better have my money. All that stuff that we love about her. This was a moment of almost like reverence where she got very, um, she almost got poetic, you know, and you could tell when talking mm-hmm. about her parents and what happened, it brought out another side to her, which I thought was very interesting. So you see her talk about, you know, the Jedi chasing what ended up being, I think it was Cad Bane is who they're talking about. Cause they said the red eyed alien. And I think I thought it was I, zero. Not well, I think they mentioned, I think Cad Bane had kidnapped zero or rescued zero. I can't, it's been a while since I've seen those episodes, but I saw yeah, yeah, another yeah. somebody's review video or something that it was talking about. Um, I think it was from the original clone wars movie. And then it was from mm-hmm. another episode, maybe later on, I think it was Cad Bane at rescue zero. Um, and the and the Jedi pursued him. So okay. the red eyed alien, I believe, was was um, was uh, was Cad Bane. So but in their pursuit of him, you know, they ended up wrecking up, you know, uh, you know, 1313 and just mm-hmm, causing all mm-hmm. types of havoc, similar to what the MCU, you know, Captain or Civil War um, in the MCU was about, you know, the fact that while, you know, saving the world, they ended up, you know, destroying whole cities and, you know, um, causing out deaths entire buildings. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that that was handled very well. And I, I kind of, it made me, you know, I already felt for the Martez sisters, but it made me understand them a little bit more. And I think, you know, obviously that was the purpose of that, but then it was couched in to your point, like a lot of cool. It was, the action was cool. I'm not mad at the action, but did we need a whole episode of that? Could we have fit there, you know, the whole thing mm-hmm. with their parents? Cause we have, could we have put that in a, a sprinkle that through the other episodes and then wrap this up in a three episode arc because it did seem a little bit long to me, especially since after at the beginning of, uh, I think, Dangerous Debt, they started off in, in prison and then they ended right. in prison. You know, right. so. Yeah. Um, now, one thing uh, it did do, the action sequence in Dangerous Debt was reveal that there are three Mandalorians that are on the planet mm-hmm. and um, they were Bo-ka- able to Bo-Katan. ID. Bo-Katan. Yeah. And they're able to ID Ahsoka um, 
you know, as just refer to her as as you know, they got there's a Jedi mm-hmm. that's there. Let's you know keep it keep an eye on her. Um, and you don't see the Mandalorian. Well, you know, here and there, but it's revealed at the end of Episode Eight, which closes the arc that um, Ahsoka is needed. That they need a Jedi. The Mandalorians need a Jedi mm-hmm. to go back and deal with uh, Darth Maul, who's also revealed as the one who is um, the who Darth Maul being the one to whom the Pikes are indebted to for this spice. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of lore and mythology going on right here, and I think that some of this, you know, some of this was because last time we saw Darth Maul in Clone Wars was remember um, uh, when the emperor was lighting his ass up. Remember when he, right, he right. came in one of the greatest, you know, lightsaber duels of all time. Um, in my opinion of any star Wars is when, you know, emperor Palpatine versus um, Darth Maul and Savage, you know, mm-hmm. um, his brother, he, he kills Savage and, you know, um, defeats Maul and basically lets Maul know, you know, I'm not done with you yet. Mm-hmm. And so, I did not read. There was a Darth Maul comic book. Um, I forgot the name of it, but I didn't read it. But I did. You know, I've seen recaps of it. Um, and I've read some synopsis synopsises of it. And basically, what I get from that is that you know the Emperor basically you know imprisoned Maul, tortured his ass, and then mm-hmm. Maul's Death Watch or his the Mandalorians that were still loyal to him because remember Maul had taken over Mandalore, right? Um, broke him out you know, broke him out of prison and got him. Um, and then there was a whole thing where, you know, Maul was trying to regain control of his criminal empire, this, that, and the third. So it's a, it's a whole thing is this, as people say, it's a whole thing. And where we leave that at is that Maul gets back to Mandalore and assumes, you know, he's, he's basically has a puppet regime in control of Mandalore that mm-hmm. he's behind and he's the true leader of Mandalore. So Bo-Katan, the Mandalorian whom we see in this episode of Clone Wars, she's leading a rebellion against Maul to take take Mandalore back from Maul. So that's where this kind of whole civil war is about to jump off. And that's mm-hmm. kind of where we're seeing. I think what we're getting is we're about to see Ahsoka enter into that that um, uh, conflict. And I imagine Rex is going to get involved in this because I think Rex is going to end up in Mandalore, um, which is why, you know, part of how, how he escapes Order 66. But what's killing me is that this and again, this goes back to I don't know how why this arc needed to be so long. Is that we only have four episodes left, bro? There's only there's yeah. only twelve episode season, and there's so much storytelling that needs to be told. You know, just in all those things I just laid out, it seems to me for one, it seems like this season should have been longer. Like it should have been sixteen or twenty episodes. Um, but you know, budgets or whatever dictated why it's not. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's whatever it is, but. It feels like, are we going to be able to really get, you know, we got to wrap up and not everything I just said. Then then also the Sith, you know, Revenge of the Sith. I think we're going to be inside of that movie by the time this ends. Like we're going to be in the same timeline. So we got Anakin to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. are we going to, you know, how much more Anakin are we going to get? Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like there's a lot on the table. So I'm not. I'm a little bit concerned. I don't know about how you feel, but I'm a little bit concerned. Is this going to how how well are they going to be wrapped this up and basically two more hours or not even two hours, really a little bit right. less than two hours of storytelling left. Well, I have to, I mean, I would have to assume that the stories that they're going to tell the, the decisions on what the episodes are going to be 
had to have been uh, thoroughly debated mm-hmm. that each episode, because there are only 12 episodes, that each episode has to be important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we had four, the first four episodes were Rex's story arc with sprinkles of Anakin. You know, the second four episodes were uh, about Ahsoka and we had sprinkles of, of Mandalorians. Um, maybe, and I would think that the last four episodes are going to have to be an Anakin story arc that mm-hmm. brings us to wherever it is they're going to leave us uh, to get picked up by the films that have already been created. The mm-hmm. films and the animated series. I'm speaking of just Star Wars Rebels, of course. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see, because you remember that, that clip that's in, that was in the trailers where you see... Um, Ahsoka and Bo-Katan appear in the hologram and she turns around and looks at Anakin and says, you know, hello, master, you know, it's been a long mm-hmm. time or whatever she says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think, excuse me, I think that we'll probably get that in episode 10. I feel like episode nine is going to be Ahsoka, you know, getting involved with the Mandalorians and we learn everything, you know, about what's, you know, what's going to happen between them and, and Maul. See, I don't know, man. I think we're going to learn about that through Anakin's viewpoint. So you think that scene with her and Anakin may happen in episode later. nine, the very or later? Yeah. Okay, but like you, maybe so you, even like eleven, even even twelve. I mean, honestly, because I I think that I think that again, first four episodes were about Rex with sprinkles of Anakin, mm-hmm. right? We only saw a hint of Anakin in episode five, where he sensed that Ahsoka was on this was on Trace's ship. Or was that six? Was that episode six? Uh, that was episode six, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think they're going to get right to the Jedi. They're going to get right to Anakin. Mm. And I think that, that somehow what they need to do either involves going to Mandalore or, or, you know, links up with Mandalore to then reveal that Ahsoka is with them with on, you know, with Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get why they needed, you know, just as Rex just says, I'm thinking about it. I understand why they needed to spend four episodes with just Ahsoka, you know, and then to use the Martez sisters as a way for us to basically, you know, get a, I guess, a closer glimpse of where Ahsoka is, you know, mentally after leaving the Jedi Order mm-hmm. and how she feels mm-hmm. about the Jedi and how she's discovering other people view the Jedi. I get why that was necessary because it it puts us into Ahsoka's mind state after this huge event in her life. And it kind of like, it frames up everything we're going to see, you know, over the next few episodes. But I I think I would have been more at peace with that had, if if the episode or if the season was 20 episodes, you know, or 20, 20, episodes, I think that, because there would be so much more left for, I feel like, man, they only got four episodes left now. We've got to like cram all this stuff in, you know, it's, we, we, Remember the clip of her uh, Ahsoka versus Darth Maul? We still got that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like there's so much coming up that um, I don't know. I'm again, I'm not worried, but I am I'm scratching my head a little bit because I'm like, all right, let's let's see how this is going to play out. And it's, well, now, it's like, man, this is the last Clone Wars we're going to get, man. This is it. Yeah. But, you know, OK, so I mean, two things and they're both they both have to do with Ahsoka specifically. Mm-hmm. Um we know that Ahsoka appears in Star Wars Rebels and she's a minor character, but she's a very significant minor character. She carries a, you know, a lot of weight. 
Right. Um, and we also know that Ahsoka is going to appear in season two of The Mandalorian. So I think that what they're doing now with Ahsoka, and maybe this is why they needed, they took four episodes to tell her story, mm-hmm. um, was that they needed to kind of yeah, break her down a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. get her a little more humble. Because you see, you really see the humility come out in episode eight. Um, right, where she has to finally tell them that she's a Jedi. Yes. <clears throat> tell the Martell yeah. sisters that she's a and Jedi. And how that revelation happens, you know, yeah. and, and all the while she's on some, you know, I need to protect my identity and I need to protect them. And, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't want to get them too messed up in what my personal issue is, you know, mm-hmm. with Jedi and all that. Um, you know, but also we need to connect her with Mandalorians mm-hmm. to give some groundwork for the next season of The Mandalorian. And mm-hmm. I know I've said probably just ad nauseum uh, on this show that I think that these these separate properties, Rebels, Clone Wars, the films, Mandalorian, you know, they it's like they all need to start helping each other out in what? order to glue this, you know, oh, this okay. larger narrative together, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, and another thing, too, I mean, maybe this is also why they took, you know, four episodes to do it, to really kind of get Ahsoka's, um, um, you know, give her time to make this realization about how others view the Jedi, because I think it, 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 it she has to admit that she views the Jedi in the same way mm-hmm. in some, some cases. Um, with that, you know, one thing about Ahsoka is, and I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to jump around like the television series, but <laughs> one thing about Ahsoka that, that, that really annoys me mm. just about her personality is that she's, she's always the conscience of the situation, mm-hmm. but she never has an alternate plan. It's like she never <laughs> has an alternate solution about anything. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. and I think that at the end of this this four part story arc, I think she begins to 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 kind of see that for herself that everything doesn't have a clear mm-hmm. yeah, this that, or I mean, that wrong yeah, or right. That harkens back to what we talked about last episode about her being a cop. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you are constantly preaching and pointing your finger and being this is the, this is you know that's against the rules and do this, don't do that but you have no solutions to how we are supposed to survive, you know? And I right. think that was, that was Rafa. And it, it was the Martez sisters made that point to her, but specifically Rafa, you know, made that point to her in a, in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying this, well, what do you got? You know? Yeah. Um, cause we're, cause you know, they forgot about us talking about the people on the top side. Mm-hmm. And then whenever we see you people, meaning the Jedi, um, you're down here fucking shit up basically, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. I felt that that was, you know, that was very, um, redolent of, you know, how, if you look at the, the relationship between people in certain neighborhoods and the police and that's right. uh, uh, to your point, I think that's how Ahsoka comes off sometimes like, no, this is wrong and we can't do that. And that's against the rules. You can't get in that, that lane. That's the military lane. It's like mm-hmm. chick, you know, it's like, what, you know, sit down, you know, it's buckle like, up. We, you know, yeah. right. Buckle up, shut up. We got this, you know, whatever. So I get that. And I, I, I agree with you. I think this arc was necessary for that. I just feel that I'm worried that some things are going to get rushed. And if you look at the end of episode eight, where, you know, Bo-Katan and, um, the other one of the other um, people with Bo-Katan actually is uh, uh, 
uh, what's her name? Sabine Wren's uh, mother, um, mm-hmm. who we see in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, that's one of the people who's with Bo-Katan, which I thought was cool. But anyway, Bo-Katan and they show up at the end and they kind of recruit Ahsoka and it happens in like maybe 20 seconds. And I felt it was a little rushed, you know, because it's like, hey, we need you to do blah, blah, blah. And Ahsoka was like, okay. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, I wanted I wanted some more conversation. I wanted something, you know what I'm saying? I, I just wanted some, because I know that they have a, I think the last time Ahsoka saw Bo-Katan, um, they had a fight, but then they they reconciled. So it's like they, they know each other and they're cool. Yeah. But I wanted something a little bit more fleshed out. And that's what I'm worried about going into these next four episodes. Mm-hmm. Are they going to try to jam pack so much stuff in that because they got so much stuff to work with that we're going to get, you know, some very um, quick scenes where resolutions and thoughts and conversations are very hastily, you know, are very hastily executed. That worries See, me. Yeah, I, I think they're going to they're going to depend on the the viewer to do their homework. I mean, like, for example, you know, the inference that the Mandalorians are even watching the Pike is watching the Pikes uh, is because we, we learn that Maul is the one whom they owe this debt to, who the Pikes are, are, are making these illegal runs for, mm-hmm. you know, and, and at the end scene, when uh, Bo-Katan is speaking to Ahsoka, she's like, look, you know, we need to go up, we need to go after Maul. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, me, yeah. It's like, yeah. okay, we can fit all that together. Okay, that makes sense why the Mandalorians are even there because we saw that, mm-hmm. that conversation with Maul and the head of the Pikes, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But, you know, so, the Mandalorian Civil War is just such a big thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I feel like that could be its own series. And mm-hmm. that's, that's, I'm like, I mean, listen, I'm not faulting them. I understand that for us even to get this season of the Clone Wars was a gift. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, we didn't have to get this, you know, what is essentially a bonus season, all these, I think right. it's been like five or six years later. Right. Um, so it's a gift. So I'm not tripping on that, but I do feel that, you know, yeah, some of these, some of this stuff, man, is like, I mean, even Rex, you know, taking out his chip at some point, you know, we know that's going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. to, to avoid order 66. That's major. Like that's four episodes right there. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I am a little, I don't know, man, I'm a little apprehensive, but I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I can't wait really. I can't wait. I feel like this is what, obviously this is what we've been gearing up towards you know for these last eight episodes and anticipating so um i'm 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 excited all right well let's uh let's move on and uh get into something that uh main topic the star wars universe is 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 heavily dependent on um focusing on canon so big news happened you know last week with the whole mcu reshuffle um which we saw coming. I think we even talked about it on this show. We predicted it on this show um, that there was going to be some major reshuffling. But I think what happened was interesting to me because we didn't just see one MCU, MCU movie get get rescheduled. We saw a lot of the MCU movie get the whole phase four just got reshuffled. And it, we because remember a couple of weeks ago when they moved Black Widow or they, they didn't move back Black Widow. They just said, hey, Black Widow is no longer going to drop on May 1st. Right. And we speculated on this show. We said, yeah, they didn't. They said that, but they didn't announce a new date, um, which was interesting. And the weeks went by and they still didn't announce a new date. And that led to the thought, okay, that made that made everyone aware that, look, this isn't just about moving Black Widow. This changes the entire phase four. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Wonder Woman 1984, that got, you know, okay, we're not doing that. And I think it was June or whatever. 
And they were able, I think maybe three days later to say, we're moving that to August and nothing really is dependent upon that. Even the next Batman movie um, coming out, Matt Reeves Batman film evidently is not dependent upon Wonder Woman. So it wasn't a huge, you know, phase mm-hmm. shift like it was with the MCU. So that brought to mind, yeah, this, this whole thing of um, this topic where we're calling it out of order and, you know, is the MCU's devotion to canon and sequential storytelling a weakness? Is this a flaw? Is this a potential vulnerability um, for them that they are, you know, that these phases are so dependent upon sequential storytelling, which I want to point out is, you know, very, uh, t- you know, it's taken directly from comic books. You know, this part of their storytelling of the MCU storytelling is heavily dependent upon or heavily derivative of their source, which is comic books. You know, right. comic books are sequential storytelling, not just in issue to issue, but actually on the page is sequential art. So, um, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we wanted to talk about. So before we get into that, um, would it be helpful if we, uh, you know, just to hip everybody to in case, they, you know, there are people out there who don't know the phase four dates. You want to hit them off to that because I got that right here. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Oh, and another thing, too. I mean, last week, um, Captain Marvel 2 was officially announced for right. July of twenty. Right. So So she'll take the 4th of July weekend. Right. So looking at the whole slate. So phase four, which begins with Black Widow, which is interesting because that's not a present day film. That's a prequel, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's it's interesting for that to happen, um, for that to be the one that's kicking off phase four. Um, But it also means well, I shouldn't say it means that because, you know, if you haven't seen any of the MCU films, and you just want to start with phase four. I guess seeing Black Widow, you don't have to watch a lot of the other things um, to see Black Widow, but it is it would be kind of weird to do that. But so Black Widow moves from May 1st of 2020 to November 6th of 2020. So it essentially it takes the place of the Eternals. Mm -hmm. Now, the Eternals, which was supposed to come out in November on in November of 2020, the Eternals moves to February 12th of 2021. Um, so it got pushed back out of the holiday date into early next year that pushes back in turn that pushes back, um, the Eternals now taking the February slot pushes back what if, what was originally supposed to be in the February slot, which was Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Mm-hmm. So now my guy Shang moves into May 7th of 2021. Okay. Mm-hmm. That in turn, <laughs> Shang Chi being taken over that date, that pushes back Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Doctor Strange was supposed to be originally in the spring of 2021. Now, Strange, um, which is the second Doctor Strange movie, it moves to November 5th of 2021. Um, which I gotta say, Doctor Strange, especially even that title, sounds more like a um, sounds more comfortable to me in the fall than it does mm-hmm. uh, in the in the summer or so in the spring. Um, so now, since Doctor Strange is in the November fifth, twenty twenty one slot, that in turn pushes back Thor, um, mm-hmm. the fourth Thor film, Thor: colon, Love and Thunder, um, which Taika Waititi is also um, uh, directing. Which, by the way, I tuned into that live stream for a minute that Taika Waititi did. He did a live viewing party for Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Um, 
quite interesting, bro. <laughs> dude, dude is basically like living in a him and his family, or it looks like maybe probably a rental house in LA. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, not extravagant. Um, I mean, his room, because he basically like put the laptop on his bed and was just like leaning over it and chatting with, you know, people on Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. And he basically, because he had to change all his travel plans due to the lockdown, dude's room looked like it just looked like he had taken like eight suitcases and just like dumped them all on the floor. That's what his room looked like. So Taika Waititi, and then his commentary was very interesting. Basically, he just was rambling about, you know, just random shit. And um, at one point, um, uh, my girl, uh, Valkyrie. Um, Tessa. Tessa Thompson uh, tuned in. Uh, she came on and, you know, was talking. And so basically she was, you, you basically just saw a conversation between Taika and Tessa as if mm-hmm. they were on a telephone or something. They were just talking intimately in mm-hmm. front of like 20,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool. <laughs> and then Mark Ruffalo came on and they talked. So it was actually pretty, pretty interesting. And you just, one of those things that you see in this era of, you know, Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all this other shit. Um, so it was cool. Uh, okay, so yeah, Thor: Love and Thunder, which was supposed to originally supposed to be in November of 2021, now moves to February 18th of 2022. And then, to your point, Captain Marvel 2 um, comes out in July July 8th of 2022. So basically, because almost like a domino effect, because of this one movie, Black Widow, moving from May to November of 2020, mm-hmm. Eternals, Shang Chi, Strange. Thor, Captain Marvel, all these films just got kind of like shifted. The entire Phase Four shifted. So we and we're not even we haven't even gotten to Spider Man. We don't know because Spider Man is a Sony property. But although mm-hmm. it exists in the MCU, it may be safe to assume that Spider Man's date, whenever that was, is going to be kind of adjusted to fit into this new shift. And then you also have the Disney Plus shows, um, which yeah. will probably be, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the overall thing is that. You know, all of these movies had to get moved because presumably, presumably, I can't say that word. Um, seeing one depends upon seeing another. In right. other words, if you go see um, Thor, Love and Thunder before Doctor Strange, Strange comes out, uh-huh. there might be a problem, you know, because something may happen in Doctor Strange that gets reflected in Thor, whether it's an actual movie or, you know, post credits, whatever, even if it's something very subtle. Um, it could affect, you know, Thor. And then, you know, the same applies to all these films. Now, let me ask you this. Any 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 new date for Black Panther 2? Uh, I do. Announced? I think. Let me see. I think Black Panther is still scheduled for. Because um, I thought that was a 2022 release. I think it's still 20. Let me see. Thor is February 2022. So, yeah, I would I would, I would assume that. Black Panther is going to be May of 2022. I, I, I haven't seen it in the scheduling, yeah. but I assume that it's going because I think it was originally it was it was May. Um, I don't think it was in Black History Month of 2022. I think that it was originally supposed to be in May. So I, we'll have to look at that and put that in the comments. But um, yeah, so that that reshuffling. So all of this brought up <clears throat> all of this came on the heels of this very interesting article that I know you read because I sent it to you. Yep. Um I always read your stuff that you send me. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. After the third or fourth time, I remind you. But it was in uh, Gizmodo. Uh, Let me see who wrote this article before I, so we can give them credit. Is it Woodlock? No, Whitbrook. James Whitbrook. Um, 
Yeah, so this article is in Gizmodo, and it dropped on April 1st, James Whitbrook, and the title was Our Fascination with Canon is Killing the Way We Value Stories. Our Fascination with Canon is Killing the Way We Value Stories. And so the reason why, you know, I saw this article and then, you know, what, a week later, this MCU complete shift of uh, phase four happens. And so I thought all this was interesting. And I wanted to share a little bit of this article with you. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I think there's some key parts here. Yeah. Um, so bear with me. <clears throat> so straight from the article. As the pop culture we love becomes increasingly dominated by vast franchises of interconnected worlds and stories. So does it become dominated by one singular question from diehard fans. Is the thing we're about to consume canon to everything else we've consumed before? Canon is not inherently a bad thing, of course. It can provide structure to chaos and it can provide a sense of not just continuity, but stakes as that continuity progresses. The idea that characters bear the impact of events on their journeys across not just one narrative, but many allowing them to grow and change to the point that they may, they might even be entirely different kinds of people compared to where we first met them. But where canon, or rather our hunger for it, goes terribly wrong is when whether something matters or not becomes the base standard for how we consider a piece of media. Critics and fans alike are now less interested in actually interpreting a piece of media thematically or to, get, or to engage with why they liked or disliked it, but instead to pick it apart and break it down to the base components of what are essentially its pure, unflinching facts. The hunger for facts above all else leads to things like quote-unquote filler episode becoming a derogatory term for stories that don't advance the larger ongoing plot of a narrative or don't include some shocking new revelation that someone can add to a list. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's an attitude that in turn feeds the equally unruly and constantly growing spoiler culture because a fandom that values pure details above all else puts weight in the knowledge of those details. So, you know what? We'll, I'll post a link to the story um, on Twitter in case any of you guys um, want to actually go read the whole thing. But again, I thought this idea that our fascination with canon is killing the way we value stories coinciding with this incredible shift of the entire phase four for MCU because of its kind of dependence on canon. I thought this was interesting. Well, you know, soap operas have been doing this for decades. Mm. These, these stories that maintain a continuity and even as the the actors and actresses themselves age, that story revolves around, you know, near seemingly real time, you know, events and introduces new characters to create a new generation and, you know, hopefully a new audience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we see. That's what we definitely see in the MCU. And I think it's something that Star Wars established without meaning to um, and then began to sort of piece together. Um, canon for me is more prevalent with Star Wars than it is with the MCU, primarily because the MCU follows 
the model, not even the model, but follows the, the MCU is retelling stories that have already been told in the comic books. Mm-hmm. Whereas Star Wars kind of did it on the fly, you know, right? three movies in the two movies in the seventies, one movie in the eighties. Um, no, reverse that 77, 80 and 83 right. for the original, the original trilogy. And then Lucas deciding to tell a prequel, create three more movies mm-hmm. in the late nineties. And then we have what's effectively the retelling of the first three films with Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, in reading that article, I, I saw myself in it in parts, uh, particularly where uh, the author was talking about the filler episodes, mm-hmm. because in the uh, in the Clone Wars, um, in the Clone Wars animated series. There were episodes that I skipped, and they were primarily episodes that just featured like three PO and R two on their own. Right Right when you said that, I said he skipped the droid episodes. (laughs) That's fucked up, man. You got the droids, Arthur. (laughs) I mean, droids, some love, man. Three three PO is a hater. Mm. He's always going to be a hater. And I just I can only show up for your boy R two though. So you just you just outright skip. You've never seen them. I, I mean, I can't recall them. Let's okay. do it that way. Okay. And I know that I've actively skipped them. I know okay. that I've probably seen at least one, possibly two in its entirety. The mm-hmm. one by accident when I realized, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Ain't nothing but droids in here. Mm-hmm. It got nothing to do with this canon. overall thing. Yeah. yeah right. Well, <laughs> I, I get it. And yes, canon. But, you know, in my mind, it was not so much canon as it was telling the larger story. Right. And I you think know, that's that's an interesting point, because you do have canon. I mean, canon and sequential storytelling are, are different, but interconnected, mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm, it is your mm-hmm. sequential storytelling that presumably can set up canon. And even if you're telling that sequential st- storytelling out of order, like uh, Star Wars, if you're saying, OK, we're going to give you episodes, you know, uh, what was this shit? I can't because, you know, I was a kid. Star Wars was Star Wars. So episode yeah. four, episode four, five and six. Um, we're going to give you those first, but we're letting you know that there are three other episodes that happened before this. Yeah. You're still giving me sequential storytelling in a way and you're establishing your canon by doing so. Correct. So for you though, with, with the clone wars, yeah, I could see you looking at that. Like you said, you see yourself because I could see you looking at that and saying, okay, that this droid stuff ain't going to give me any more of the canon, even though it is sequential, it happens after this and before that. It doesn't mm-hmm. feed into the canon. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's I, mean, what I think driver, that's what this, I think that's what dude is saying in the article. That's a that's an issue. Yeah, and, and it is it is a legitimate issue. I mean if you if you look at real life, I mean what we're going through right now is just a, I mean just a major, major event in human history. Mm-hmm. That's just the U.S. or any other country or anything like that, or even even group of people. Um, but the things that happen within that, you know, if you wanted to tell the story of the COVID-19 pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, and you wanted to make it, you know, a 30 hour, 60 hour series of shows, you know, the shows about you and I doing this podcast right now. 
people might skip it, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because <laughs> when you it's look back canon. on it, it wasn't no right. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not doing nothing about right. you know how we story. got to the vaccine. Right. <laughs> you know it, what I'm it saying? Happen, it happened. It is a part of canon, but it's not the important part of canon that I really need to know. Yeah, it's not yeah. feeding into that larger storyline. Yeah. So I, I see what you're saying. It's you know, and I think that may be something that um, the the writer of the article maybe should have you know given a nod to is that maybe it's not so much about us not looking at anything unless it's canon, but that big even if it's even if it's not a um, important part, it needs to tell something that gives us a little bit more of that bigger story. Yeah. But see, but his point, but see, what I, I I agree with him on though is that if that becomes your mind state, then you rob yourself almost of some cool stories that you may miss out on. Because like, true. let's say, you know, I can't remember all the droid episodes. I'm just let's for let's let's just for argument's sake, let's devil's advocate the droid episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember there was that like ridiculously long arc. I think it was like four episodes, mm-hmm. of, like you know, R two and the Clone Wars taking over his he basically had a little gang you know and he was he was he was running them you know and he was basically like you know trying to run them to go do some op or whatever and it was like it was cute at first but then it was like all right why is this four episodes but mm-hmm. that's just devil's advocate for the men and let's just say for argument's sake that those were like four you know great episodes then if they don't feed into the overall if you skip them because you're like you know what this is not giving me enough of the bigger story then you kind of rob yourself of those you know interesting stories um, just because they're not feeding that. And I think that's 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 what his point in this article was that we're kind of it's like we should love story for story's sake, not just because mm-hmm. it feeds into an overall bigger story. And, you know, I get I get a little bit of that. I, I agree with him to some extent. But but is that Cannon's fault? I think is the point. Is that Cannon's fault? Um, I don't think that's Cannon's fault. And I don't see. I don't agree with that premise. Mm hmm. Because if you're presenting this story as a sequential series of events to get to an overall end, mm-hmm. you're connecting things together. Star Wars is right now is connecting all of the... Let's be real. Star Wars is connecting the films. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the purpose of the Clone Wars animated series is, the purpose of Rebels, you know, uh, to some degree moving forward, the purpose of the Mandalorian, to connect these pieces together so that's the expectation of the audience now that doesn't preclude the fact that some of these series or individual episodes work as standalones Mm -hmm. but i don't think it's i don't think it's fair to you know call out the an audience member Mm -hmm. on not appreciating this you know this ancillary story i know what though i think it is because here i'm gonna push back a little bit because i feel like mandalorian just to use it use it as an example is not necessarily meant to connect the movies i think the mandalorian and i you know just speaking for uh um favreau john favreau Mm -hmm. who created it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think it was mainly an attempt to say you know what let's do something that's outside of the movies but can generate the same sort of excitement that the movies generate. Mm -hmm. And so let's tell a a story that is not dependent upon the films. So yes, there are definite elements of Canon within the Mandalorian. And there's a lot of nods, you know, because you got 
Favreau and you got Filoni there who are, you know, deep, deep Star Wars, you know, heads. So they're, yeah, they're like, you know, definitely giving you little things and little bits and pieces of their favorite parts of Star Wars. Right. Um, so I get that. But I think that it becomes a part. It becomes a because with the Mandalorian, remember, going back to that to that season, the first season, mm-hmm. when we get to episode, I think it was four, five and six which weren't mm-hmm. dealing necessarily with the overall story, you know, the broader sure. story of this, of the, of the, se- of the season, you did have a lot of people online being like, yo, these are filler episodes. You know, why is mm-hmm. he off on this random adventure with his old crew? You know, why mm-hmm. is he in the woods, you know, helping these villagers, you know, fight against these, um, these bandits or whatever. Yeah. And so, and to you know, to be fair, you know, those weren't the greatest episodes, you know, I think, uh, especially, I think episode four and maybe episode five were probably the weakest of the season. Um, but again, for argument's sake, if those, let's say those were great stories, but they had nothing to do with, you know, the overall story art. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people do get so caught up in how does this feed the bigger picture? They miss out on little things. You know, they miss out on little stories. The Clone Wars is full of, we talked about the droids, but really there's a whole lot of episodes of the Clone Wars, specifically in the first few seasons, right, that have right. nothing to do with anything. It's just right. like a damned life, you know, of, 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 of a clone, you know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. a group of clones. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest, you know, Rookies was my, was what really, you know, grabbed me. You remember I text you, that was like season one of the Clone Wars, I didn't watch like the first few episodes. I think it was on cart was it on Cartoon Network. It was Cartoon, on Cartoon Network, Network. Yeah, you're right. I happened to catch. I think it was episode six, and it was rookies. Mm-hmm. And I texted you or I called you, and I was like, "What the what what what?" <laughs> it's like, what yeah, is yeah, going? Yeah, I remember. It I was remember. just so it was so good, and it had nothing to do. It was just you know uh, Rex coming up on these rookies, and you know they had to take a stand against something. I forgot. I haven't seen the episode in a while. I need to rewatch it. It's, it's definitely top five. Um, yeah, I saw it recently. Three. I um, saw it recently. Yeah, and great it, episode. I mean, I appreciate stories like that. And I, I mean, I take your point to The Mandalorian. But even in the episodes, you know, like Rookies, but also like um, the weaker non-overall story arc of The Mandalorian, it mm-hmm. informed you about the character. It informed you that, um, um, what's my man's name? Um, uh, Dodge. Uh, oh, what's, yeah. man, what's man Din, knows name? Din Jordan. Din Jordan. Mm-hmm. And informed you that Din had a past and informed you about why he doesn't take off the helmet in front of other people. And informed you about um um that he has a sense of justice. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, you know, misguided or not as severe as we want it to be. So, you know, I'm thinking about the spaceship prison break episode. <laughs> right. Um right. But it gives you a fuller picture of who the character is. Right, it's character now, development. Yeah. Now maybe I just have a bias against droids. <laughs> Evidently, you do. You know, <laughs> um, and maybe maybe the droid only story arcs, you know, informed you about nuances of R two and things like that. You mm-hmm. know, but um, uh, you know, I do think that that if you present something. You know, I I just feel that if you are presenting something in a way that shows you, it it shows you that these stories are going to continue. Mm -hmm. These stories are actually interconnected. Then 
if you go left in the middle of your storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, you can't you can't be mad at the the group of the audience that calls you out on that. Right. So basically, so you're going if you're leaning so hard into this matters, this matters, this matters, this matters, and you go left and say this doesn't matter, but you still pay attention to it. A certain part of the audience will be like, well, I'll skip that. You can't be mad at them. I think that's what you're saying. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, you know what? I get that. I think let's just bring this back to Marvel. I think one of the things that the MCU has done very well is that they have been able to present very canonical, canonical, excuse me, canonical um, narratives, very mm-hmm. important things and they've kind of like enmeshed them in things that aren't as important and kind of constantly given people here, here's an entry point. If you wanted to see this movie without having to see all these other ones, because really let's right. be honest, you know, we said this before in game Avengers, infinity war and Avengers in game, essentially in game um, or excuse me, especially in game mm-hmm. was a sequel to 20 some other movies. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm right. not taking credit for that statement. I think it was Amy Dallin on a uh, Clyder heroes back in the day said that mm-hmm. these, this is a, you know, this one movie in game was a sequel to 20 something other movies. Yeah. And, but what that did was that, yeah, in order to really enjoy in game, yeah, you kind of need to see some of these other films. Sure. Sure. But if you go back and you look at these 20 some other films, they were constant entry points for you to interact where you could take Ant-Man, for example, the first Ant-Man mm-hmm. film. You can definitely argue that film on its surface had absolutely nothing to do with, you know, the larger infinity story that was being told over the last mm-hmm. 10 years. Yeah. Um, but when you look deeper and you look at PIM and you look at quantum technology and you look at all these other things, those things have intricate ties. You know, PIM has Dr. PIM has a, you know, in a very um, intricate tie with the Stark, you know, the Stark family. So, yes. You get that, you know, you get those things if you look deeper, if you can, if you're able or if you care to look deeper, but you didn't have to. And I think the MCU has done a really good job of presenting canon and presenting sequential storytelling, but at the same time presenting these entry points for people who just want to get in and want to get out. And maybe they've done that much better than Star Wars has done it, you know, um, yeah, you know, to to a certain degree. I think I think of all the Star Wars films. I would say that Rogue One and Episode Four, which was the original Star Wars 1977 release, you know, like those two mm-hmm. can stand on their own, right? And Rogue One is is the best movie within the context of what we're talking about to say that if you just watched one Star Wars movie mm-hmm. and you watched Rogue One, you didn't need to know anything about Luke Skywalker. Cause it ain't got shit to do with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, you could watch that. Even though, even though it, it sets up his fate, his destiny. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's like, you yeah. could sit down, watch the movie, get up, go home and enjoy the movie for what it was. And if you wanted to get down with the rest of the storyline, great. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, Cool, And that may have something to do with Tony Gilroy's involvement. Tony Gilroy, who came in as a director, excuse me, writer, director, um, after, you know, because Gareth Edwards directed the film. And I think it was Tony Gilroy who came in to kind of piece some things together. Mm-hmm. And because and, and, I, I think um, Disney or Lucasfilm, you know, wasn't entirely 
in agreement with Gareth Edwards. Now, I don't, not that they, you know, didn't like his film, but I think they wanted some different things. So long story short, when Tony Gilroy comes in, here's a guy who, although is, you know, very talented, very, you know, well-known in Hollywood, has some great films under his belt. Admittedly, he was not a big Star Wars fan. You know, mm-hmm. he, he basically said, I could care less about, you know, canon, you know, Star mm-hmm. Wars canon. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe some of what you're talking about is credit to him and coming in and saying, okay, let me, you know, make this a little bit more accessible for people. Who knows? You know, I'm just speculating, but maybe right. that was a part of it. Right. Um, but let me ask you this, though. The MCU's, we see this big shift in phase four and we see, we know why. OK, the first impetus for this happening is obviously the COVID outbreak. This is why all this is happening. This is why all these films got got. This is why Black Widow got moved, I should say. Yeah. So but then you see this domino effect on the entire phase four. Does this, you know, does their dependency on you know, the topic of this, the, the topic of this, uh, this show does their dependency on canon and sequential storytelling. Is this, and in, in this case, is it a weakness, you know, cause if they weren't, you know, if they mm-hmm. were like the DCEU where they're not really doing the whole canon thing anymore, um, you know, cause it blew up on them for the DCEU. It didn't work out for them. If Marvel was like that, then maybe, Hey, we'll push, you know, black widow, to you know november and we'll also drop you know the eternals later on that month or we'll drop the Mm -hmm. the eternals in december you know we don't need to push it back or we'll push black widow to december and the eternals will come out in november as Mm -hmm. it was planned on coming out you know you see and that's what for people like me who are fans of this sort of you know um sequential storytelling and canon Mm -hmm. i'm okay i'm okay with it push it all back you know what i'm saying because i want to see things in order you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. I want to see stories you know re, you know kind of feed into other stories right but I still feel like man this may for Marvel um for the MCU for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and for Disney who owns them this could be a potential weakness you know because if something you know let's say a second wave and god forbid a second wave of this pandemic happens later this year or next year things get shuffled again how how many more times can they rearrange their entire schedule? You know, because these films, at some point, the investors in these films are going to want to see returns. Um, sure. You have the business side of this where you cannot just keep pushing movies back and back and moving everything around. At some point, something got to drop. So is this a weakness? Is there is there any potentiality to look at this and say, you know what? This whole canon thing could be a problem down the road. Um. You know, I, I mean, I, I I still say no. I still say no. It's 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 harder for. Okay, without repeating myself too much, mm-hmm. I think I think <clears throat> canon for Star Wars and canon for the MCU are two different animals. Mm-hmm. It's like they have two different problems to solve, you know, or they have two different metrics for success, right? Um, MCU has followed through 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 three phases has followed comic books that have been long published that were about infinity stones. Mm-hmm. Now those infinity stones were destroyed and then found again, you know what I'm saying? And so now they're still out there. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question is moving forward into phase four, are infinity stones even relevant to to would, these yeah, new I would, films i would say they're not relevant at all I you see what I mean? doubt, yeah i would say if anything 
you may see Galactus become the big bad of this next, you know, mm-hmm. phase or arc mm-hmm. or you 10, 10 years storytelling or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see, yeah, I don't see them going back to infinity. So. so then, so then is it fair to look at the reshuffling of the film schedule? Is it fair to look at that through the lens of marketing and market saturation? And be and still being able to get a large return on the investment for each one of these individual films. In other words, it's not so much that they're dependent on each other mm-hmm. from a story arc standpoint, mm-hmm. such that we don't want to flood the market. I would agree with that. S- I, I, yeah, I would agree with that a hundred percent. If it weren't for the fact that if they would have if they would have moved these movies. Um, and not done it so if it wasn't a domino effect you know what I'm saying yeah. it wasn't like one after the other yeah but and you know if you so let's say you know um black widow moves to february of 2021 but eternal stays in november 2020 okay so you're saying okay that's okay they they, they shifted everything down but they didn't yeah. they didn't they didn't, didn't rearrange the order. The order they didn't shuffle all. the deck nah. yeah uh-huh. uh-huh and that and that to me that's where i'm like okay your greatest strength may become a weakness at that point, you know, because this, there's a point, there is a point of vulnerability there. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. we can't release this until we release that, you know? And it's like, that becomes, right. that becomes a problem. Not, and here, here's the other thing. We haven't even talked about this. We mentioned it earlier. We haven't really talked about it. Disney plus. So okay. Falcon right. and winter soldier supposed mm-hmm. to be dropping this fall. Mm-hmm. 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 Then I think, uh, next year is WandaVision, um, is I don't know what if is I think what if is 2022, but Loki um, isn't Loki 2022. Yeah, Loki I think is 2021. Mm-hmm. So, and these these you know streaming shows now are heavily connected to the films and to mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. So now we can presume that we probably are not we may not get Falcon and Winter Soldier in this fall like we were supposed to. It may be pushed to early you know 2021. So again, that's what I'm saying. Once you have to start shifting not just one thing but everything that becomes that that presents a, a logistic problem down the road and i'm just you know we're blowing it i'm not gonna say we're blowing it out of proportion we're kind of like extracting it from this one you know you know the word everybody's using unprecedented situation yes. with the pandemic so it's not like anybody's expecting this to happen year after year you know what I'm saying or for this to be a danger year after right. year but still it right. is this a, is, it this is, is a, like our event. <laughs> yeah, this is our event. This is, you know, mm-hmm. this is, you know, the snap. So not to make light of it at all, but this is, you know, something of that level where mm-hmm. we're experiencing mm-hmm. something we've never experienced before. So, you know, nobody can plan for the future, but I'm sure the studios aren't saying, OK, or, they're, you know, the investors aren't saying, you know, this is going to be a problem the next time this happens. They're not expecting this to happen in 2021 or 2022. But mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. argument's sake, if something does happen, you know, mm-hmm. and we see another wave or we have to close this and close that. Mm-hmm. This is a huge weakness when it comes to the business of, you know, movie making for Marvel Cinematic Universe, for Marvel Studios. It becomes a problem for them. I agree. And it, and I think I think it's a bigger problem on the production side than it is for the distribution side, because and I know that we've, you know, kind of gone back and forth the the last few episodes but i really believe that disney plus is going to if not already integrated into the strategy of okay what if this comes back mm-hmm. you know everybody still can't get tested not mm-hmm. hasn't been not unwilling to but can't get tested mm-hmm. much less the vaccine cannot come out you know thursday after next so mm-hmm. 
from a from a from a real world human being, you know, move the economy forward kind of thing to sit on movies because I we can't make a billion dollars. But I've got a streaming service that will let me recoup on some of my investment. You see what I'm saying? So there's your distribution problem, which 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 is solvable. It just depends on your threshold for, uh, you know, what you're willing to accept. Well, and, it depends but, upon what you're willing to produce for, because if that becomes a reality, you know, let's say that becomes because, again, we've talked about this before. So obviously now that's not the reality, but if that becomes yeah. a reality in a few years, then you're going to stop seeing movies made for a hundred million dollars or two hundred. Exactly. That's what I'm getting to, because my thing see. is like, OK, when 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 Captain Marvel was announced, my first thought was, all right, well, that's pretty presumptuous <laughs> mm-hmm. to announce something. When you don't even know when you can start production, right, right. Well, to their in their defense, they have to do that because it's like they do have investors. They have people lining up. Agree. Okay, what are our projections? How are we? Right. Like, you know, blah blah blah. So they're still you know looking at the future and trying to do things. But yeah, overall, not just in the Unreal movies, but in movies in general, if this you know pandemic or this the the effects, the after effects of this pandemic with. 10 million people out of work now in the United States alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to be dealing with the after effects of this for years to come. So you may see, you know, movies saying, you know what, we're not going to get that billion dollars, you know, uh, at the box office, um, presuming that there is a box office or we're not going to get that billion dollars. Definitely not going to get that from home streaming. So no more $200 budgets, you know, we want to, you got to make this movie $50 million. You know what I'm saying? That's, 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 I think that's a reality. And from an unreal standpoint, that presents a huge issue because you're dealing with, you know, so many things that you need from a technical standpoint, just with these films Mm -hmm. from a movie standpoint in general, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot, I can see some benefits to that in the sense of um, movies being made again at a lower scale that are meant more dependent mm-hmm. upon storytelling and writing mm-hmm. um, than, you know, big effects. So we may get away from these huge tentpole things um, and get more back to more movies that, you know, essentially don't get made. I just listen. I just watched uh, uh, Chinatown the other day because um, I read an article about it and I, I actually it made me feel mad. I haven't seen that movie in like 20 years. So I went back and watched um, Jack Nicholson's Chinatown. And as you know, as I'm enjoying this movie and watching it, it just hit me. I was like, man, this movie would never be made in 2020. Um, I know Motherless Brooklyn came out last year. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's I haven't seen it. I'm not sure. I'm not comparing it to Chinatown, obviously, but I do know it's a, you know, lower budget noir type, you know, detective uh, movie. So there are some comparisons. But, you know, with huge stars like Jack Nicholson was in 1974, I think when that film came out, when Chinatown came out. Yeah. Huge stars, him, Faye Dunaway. Um, that doesn't happen that much, you know what I'm saying, in 2020. We mm-hmm. rarely get movies like that. So maybe lower budgets and kind of like, you know, in a, a renewed approach to storytelling, that could be a benefit that we see within the next few years. But back to our thing, the unreal thing, yeah, I agree with you. Um, if that becomes a reality, we, we're definitely going to see movies at a lower scale. And, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Marvel has always announced their films you know, well in advance, you know, phase four is laid out. Here's what you got for the next three years. Mm-hmm. So I get why they, you know, put the Captain America two on the books. But again, I, I, you know, I do feel that, man, if this becomes an issue, I could see that, you know, that dependence upon sequential storytelling and canon being, being a problem. Now, 
again, there is a delineation between canon and, and, and canonical storytelling and, and sequential storytelling. Before we get out of here, I wanted to look at one example, and that's James Bond. The James Bond mm-hmm. franchise, which has been around for 50 plus years, definitely is there is some canon elements there because we have some things that are distinctively Bond. Um, you know, where he works, what he drives, how he does, who who, who his arch enemies are, who, are, who his friends are. There's some things that are part of canon there, but there's really no, you know, sequential storytelling, even when you're talking about the specific actors, you know, take Pierce Brosnan, for example, his run, his four, his four movie mm-hmm. run. Mm-hmm. You get, you know, four movies that are not necessarily told. We don't know if there was those were in sequence or not. We assume they are because we see his relationship with M. Um, right. We see Pierce Brosnan age a little bit, different haircuts, whatever, whatever. But there's no real dependency upon sequential storytelling within the Bond franchise, um, with the exception, the great exception of this recent one, which is the Daniel Craig run that mm-hmm. has been heavily dependent upon sequential storytelling, uh, maybe not Skyfall, but the other films. And to some degree, that's been looked at as a weakness, especially when you get to Spectre. And it's like there was this whole thing with, oh, we're going to tie up all these other movies and Blofeld. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Spectre. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Spectre, where you see all this, everything gets tied together. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, you know, pushback against. I'm like, mm, that's why we don't need to be doing this deep, deep, canonical, canonical um, sequential storytelling with Bond. So, you know, I, I guess I bring that just to say that to me as a fan of these unreal properties, I like canonical storytelling. I like sequential storytelling. Um, but I do see that like with most things in life, there are some, there's some fault flaws to it. There's some vulnerabilities to it and it can present some problems. And I think phase four of Marvel being pushed back like this, um, is just kind of a, a small, small, small red flag as to what could be, you know, a, 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 an issue with this type of storytelling. What are your what are your final thoughts on this? Well, um I think I think in Bond's case, I think that uh it was a, a situation where they were kind of trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. You know, in Skyfall, uh well Spectre trying to shoehorn storyline resolutions into one film and it just it just was wasn't executed uh, right. as well as it as it could have been. Um but you know, because Bond isn't dependent on what his interpersonal relationships are like, because they're very they're very event driven. There, he gets he gets a mission and he goes on that mission. Right. You're and about, there's a general, formula you're that's all followed. The Bond films, not just Craig. You talking about all the Bond films? Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And I think that Craig was uh, maybe it was an experiment. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely influenced by the MCU. Obviously, you know, it was definitely influenced by this you know the the born series was canonical you know the born mm-hmm. series was sequential sequential um those three movies four if you if you count the last one but definitely those four movies were told in order if you saw born um ultimatum before you saw uh born identity that could be a problem you know what I'm saying so it's right. like right yeah, i think that influenced bond as well i think we're in an era of sequential and canonical storytelling um, I'm all for it. You know, I love it, but I, you know, I can't see some of the, the, the chinks in the armor basically. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think that every, I don't think that every franchise can fit 
in the in the canonical model. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I guess I mean to directly answer your question, I think that is that it is a hindrance for Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a hindrance for for DC Comics because they don't really they can't execute the same glue that right. that Marvel they Studios can, they has can, been able they to. <laughs> yeah, I mean they got yeah. they got the storylines, you know. Yeah. Um the, you know the DC comic books, you know, those 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 story arcs and those storylines, you know, are are as disjointed as some of the Marvel storylines are, you know, and and uh Marvel Studios to make them into films, you know, just pieced, you know, just were able to align certain things together mm-hmm. based on how the comic books, you know, uh, were able to, you know, to align them. Um, yeah. So, but, you know what, going, but, you know, we always like to go out on a high note. Um, so just looking at this, looking at this MCU phase four reshuffle from that point of view, even though we not, we're not obviously not, we're not getting a film now until November um, of this year which is completely understandable considering what's going on. And it will be the longest gap. Um, let me see. It says the longest gap between MCU films um, since, uh, da, 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 let me see the release of the previous of Spider-Man far from home and black widow. Okay. Yeah. Cause Spider-Man far from home was the last MCU film that was in 2019, that summer of mm-hmm. 2019. So from 2019, summer 2019 to November, 2020, um, that'll be the longest we've gone without an MCU film since mm-hmm. uh, Incredible Hog in 2008 and Iron Man 2 in 2010. So it's a long time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if you look at that from another or another point of view, and just like I said, to go out on a high note, we're going to get a lot of MCU back to back to back to back to back. So we get you know, Black Widow in November. Then we get turn right around. We get Shang-Chi in May, Strange yeah. in November and yeah. Disney Plus, you know, probably all throughout 2021. So 2021 is going to be like a jam packed year of MCU-ness. So that's a that's a positive. That That is a positive. And I, I am I am looking forward to it. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm, I mean, in, I'm really in contrast, trying to end this on a positive. <laughs> I mean, in contrast to, um, you know, Mr. Whitbrook's story, which I, I definitely see some of his points of view um, in this Gizmodo article. I don't think I think we're both saying we don't think canon is killing the way we value stories. We disagree with that. Um, and we actually, you know, I, I would argue that canon definitely enhances more than it than it. Um, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Distracts from or. Yeah, arms, absolutely. You know, I think I think I think Canon gives you something to look forward to. I think Canon gives you an opportunity to um, be creative in 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 how you tell the story, what mm-hmm. information you reveal in 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 this film uh, and what you reveal in the next film. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and, should also note it's not anything new. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You yeah, were... yeah, yeah. No, it's not anything new. I mean, yeah. I started I started the conversation off talking about, you know, soap operas. Yeah, you know, even I mean, further back than that, man. Even you know, I grew up on um, Michael Moorcock books, the Elric mm-hmm. saga, and the Elric saga was completely and the whole you know Eternal Champions thing was like deeply enmeshed in canon and lore. You know, the lore that canon creates. So it's like you yeah. set up these these things that happen, and then those things that happen become legend, and it's like you have this lore that you pull from, mm-hmm. um, and that's been storytelling since you know, I mean, shit, the Bible. You know, excuse mm-hmm. my. Mm-hmm. 
all the holy books, the Bible, uh-huh. the Quran, the mm-hmm. Torah, all these books, you know, if whatever religion you got, those books that go with it, whatever mythologies, whatever, it's like it all kind of comes from lore and canon and, you know, all this sequential storytelling. So that's I think that's a, a fault with the article. It says, you know, our fascination with canon is killing the way we value stories as if this is something new. This is not anything new. No, it's not. This is and it's, it's the way it's the way for us to be able to identify with with characters and mm-hmm. these, you know, fantastical scenarios. Mm hmm. You know. Cool. So, um, yeah, let's wrap this up. Um, where can people find you at, bro, online? Uh, Twitter. My handle is a double R T H U double R. And Mr. Perry. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Isaac Perry. Um, and go on. What do you what do you do the thing? Because you know the things where they should go on and leave us the thing, so we get more people. <laughs> right. Things. So if you want to go on the thing and leave us the thing in the best way, <laughs> right. uh, that thing can happen. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> we are found. Uh, we are found on all major uh, podcast channels. Um, Apple Podcasts allows you to subscribe to our show, leave us a rating, uh, and leave us a review. Uh, be so kind to help. Uh, inform others and recommend the show so that we can uh, grow this unreal audience. Um, we can, can be found on Google Podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Spotify. Uh, everywhere that find RSS feeds are are consumed. Uh, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app. Everywhere. Every app. Cool. Real and unreal. Cool. And hit us on Twitter with your, you know, your comments, thoughts, um, questions. Uh, just make sure you hashtag mad unreal. So we see them. All right. All right. Stay All safe, right. everyone. Stay safe and keep it unreal. Unreal.